0: Hey everyone, before we open today's file, please make sure to follow us on Instagram at d.s.radio where you can find all the images that go along with today's case. You can drop us an email at contact.dsradio at gmail.com. You can find all of our socials in the Linktree bio on our Instagram profile, including links to merch. If you're feeling especially generous, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio, where you can get access to our exclusive Instagram page and make suggestions for upcoming episode topics that you would like us to cover. Speaking of Patreon, thanks to our Patreons, Riff Cult, Croply Crab, Cash Broadus, Raspberry Jr., Jason R. Nelson, Creepy Paper, Jamie Sook, Michael Laughlin, Lindsay Keller, Mike Wright, Greer Weaver, Kelsey Carithers, Linz Gibbon, Drake Holvig, Only Child, Michael M, Wesley Akers, Riaz K, Emily Medeiros, Pip, Heather Wynn, Graves, Devin Sweatshirt, The Ordained Sinister Minister, and Philip Hoffman.
1: Let's get to it! Yeah, boy!
2: to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to Dystopian Simulation Radio. I'm your host, Linz.
2: And I'm your other host, Chris.
3: How is it going, Chris?
2: It is going pretty well. Uh, we It seems like spring has finally... Sprung. ...come around the corner. Sprung. <laughs> uh, it's it's been okay weather. Um, we've only had, you know, eight to nine feet of rainfall in the UK. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. Um, we had uh, quite a big event happen last weekend.
3: Yeah, we had the coronation, yeah. which we both ignored.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I went to a petting zoo.
3: Okay, was is that a coronation style celebration?
2: Uh, no, I just thought it would be quiet.
3: It was actually, wasn't it? I went out mm. as well and I didn't watch it, totally ignored it, didn't care. And it was really quiet and empty for a Saturday. And I was like, you know what? This is pretty nice.
2: <laughs> so that's all we have to say about that, really. It was a thing that happened. Um, yeah,
3: Charlie had yeah. been measuring his head for the last few decades and he finally got his crown. Our invites must have got lost in the post, Chris, or maybe we're still banned.
2: Mate, well, <laughs> if Anton Deck can get an invite, we can go.
3: Yeah, I'm telling you, we're coming for their crowns, so they better watch out. But we could have Meghan markle did it and went undercover as old men.
2: Yeah, check out <laughs> check out the conspiracy theory. She was definitely there, guys. Definitely. And I'm, I, it is funny. I'm supportive of her decision.
3: <laughs> so, Chris, before we start today... Yes. Yeah, I just want to say that the case we're going to look at has a lot of information, so okay. much information that there's no way we could cover it all in one episode. So I'm going to tell the story, including all the significant parts. And if you and the listeners are interested in finding out even more details, I'll provide some further details and further reading at the end. Okay. The pictures will be up on our Instagram at d.s.radio. If you want to follow along with them, we got a Good batch of pictures for this one. And uh, Chris, if people want to follow us on Patreon.
2: If you'd like to join us on Patreon, you can uh, join the party over at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio. And you can join us over there. You can support with just a very small amount, or you can join our Bob's Balls tier, in which case you'll get access to all kinds of things like posts, our Instagram that's exclusive for Patreon subscribers, dsr friend club and also occasional merch drops as well
3: Ooh, we did send a care package out to everybody last month so maybe it'll be one of those in the future too if you sign up who knows (laughs) who knows what's going to happen
2: but don't forget you can also go and check out our new merch page completely separate from this it's tpublic.com forward slash ds radio yes we shortened the url after the shit show of last time you can also find it directly linked in our link tree which is in our instagram bio and there's all kinds of silly designs over there you can get t-shirts tote bags tumblers coffee mugs stickers all sorts of literal shit
3: (laughs) and uh a a few of the mantis is watching merchandise items would be very nice too new design incoming Uh, (laughs)
2: ah yes mantis is watching he's always watching and you can support his cooking activities by (laughs) buying one of our t-shirts and going out in public and um hoping you don't have to explain it to anybody
3: yeah warning the public of the mantis they do not know is watching them so chris yes 63 wycliffe road battersea london i know it well (laughs) does that mean anything to you
2: Um, no, not particularly. I'm aware of Battersea. They have a lot Mm -hmm. of dogs and cats there.
3: Yeah, that's literally the only thing I know about Battersea Home, that they have an animal home. And that's where my knowledge ends. Until I researched this case. Now we're going to put Battersea back on the map for something else. That happened quite a while ago, but anyways... So nowadays, there is new builds in a trendy area that stand in 63 Wycliffe Road's place. But back in 1956, the residence was home to the Hitchings family. Shirley Hitchings was just 15 years old at the time and lived in the house with her father, Wally, great name. He was a train driver for the London Underground and he was in his 40s. Um, Her mother, Kitty, who used to work as an office clerk, but was forced to quit her job after her arthritis became so bad that it left her wheelchair bound. Living on the upper floor of this house was Shirley's grandmother, Ethel, who was a bit of a battle axe, six foot four and 250 pounds of power granny with a bit of attitude.
2: (laughs) Holy shit. 250 (laughs) pounds.
4: (laughs) I know. Jesus. Six
3: foot four. 7 year old lady, 74-year-old maybe, I think, <laughs> and her adopted son, John, who was a 20-something surveyor and a bit of a sceptic. John believed he was Ethel's child for his whole life, up until he tried to join the RAF and the truth was unravelled, leaving him a bit upset, of course. So we have a picture of the family here, Chris, if you could describe them to the listeners. Unfortunately, Power Granny is not in this picture.
2: Oh, well, just yeah. while, while he's sending that to me, I just just did a little bit of googling to put things in context. And for anybody who's listening, um, six foot four and two hundred and fifty pounds is exactly the same height and weight as Triple H. <laughs> so Grandma
3: Hitchings may have been Triple H.
2: <laughs> so we're, we're gonna we're just, just imagine Grandma Hitchings in a in a Triple H uh, costume, and we'll, we'll just do it from there. Right, so... Which is
3: basically little black underpants. Mm. Okay, so Chris, we have a picture of the Hitchings, if you can describe them to the listeners, please.
2: Sure, can, can I work from sort of left to right, and can, can you just tell me who's who? So, who's the, the, the gentleman at the upper left?
3: I believe that's Wally.
2: So, Wally is a rather gaunt gentleman, but I also feel like maybe the pattern from the wall is reflecting on his face a little bit in this picture it, it almost seems to carry over onto it but anyway i'm getting lost he, seems- he has
3: been described as gaunt yeah <laughs> in in various reports oh, he, so you're right there yeah
2: he's, he's definitely a slim gentleman um he's looks kind of he doesn't look particularly old put it that way uh he's probably in his 50s
3: yeah i think he's in his 40s but it was the 1950s so yeah. you know looked a bit older back then
2: <laughs> um He's got his hand on the shoulder of a gentleman in the bottom left.
3: I believe that's John. John,
2: who is looks rather nonchalant, almost as if he didn't realise a picture was being taken at the time. He's got kind of slicked back, funky hair. Um, he's wearing a suit and tie in the living room, as he did at the time. Over on the far right...
3: This must be Kitty, right? She's not 70, but she is older than Wally. Mm. So I'm thinking that's Kitty.
2: Yes, you got Kitty over there on the, the far right, and she is also not really aware that the picture is is being taken. She's got her arms folded. She seems, again, quite quite thin. Um, She definitely looks a bit older than Wally, and her hairstyle is sort of up in a curly thing. I'm not really sure. She's also a bit on the gaunt side. In the center, we have Shirley, who is gorgeous. She's really beautiful. Um, She's got a beautiful smile on her. She's got a, you know, showing the gnashes, big row of teeth. Um, (laughs) She's very relaxed, and she's got a in comparison to the rest of the people in the room, a very modern 60s haircut.
3: Yes, well, 50s, I guess. We were coming 50s, out of yeah. the out of the 50s here. But yeah, she looks a lot more modern. Bit of a Bobby Sockser, apparently, back then.
2: She did what to Bobby?
3: A <laughs> Bobby Soxer. It's like a teen oh. who liked all the popular stuff. I see. Got a question for you, Chris. hmm When we think of poltergeist cases... What kind of happenings come to mind?
2: Uh, well, generally I would think of objects moving, doors opening, slamming and sort of hearing footsteps, perhaps whispers and then becoming increasingly and increasingly more aggressive and potentially violent with maybe objects being hurled at people and I have heard tale of actual physical scratches appearing on people's bodies and you know, shoving and pushing, things like that.
3: Yep, you've pretty much covered all of the bases there. And indeed, this case contains, well, all of the usual tropes, only on steroids. Oh. So, (laughs) although it looked like just the other regular semi-detached houses along Wycliffe Road, number 63 was anything but. And it all started one day, in January of 1956, when little 15-year-old Shirley went to her bedroom and placed neatly on her pillow, she found a key. This key didn't look like the other keys for the doors in their home. It was very pretty, it was ornate and silver. So curious about where it came from, she called to her father, Wally, who was helping his wife Kitty bathe as she was unable to do so herself. Wally said he would take a look at the key when he was finished, so Shirley placed it on the mantel. Mysterious key in hand, Wally went around the home trying it in the lock of every door, but it didn't seem to open any one of them or anything for that matter. The discovery of the key marked the beginnings of a haunting that lasted over a decade and made headlines around the world.
2: Holy shit. Okay.
3: <laughs> a decade. That is a lot longer than any of the poltergeist cases we've covered, like the Eleonora Zungen case.
2: Yeah. I mean, no- normally, I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto this, but generally what you'll find is that Families will get sick of it and move out. Um, yeah. And if the, if that poltergeist, uh, you know, as the as the legend goes, poltergeists are often tied to a place; they will stay there. Yep. But if it's tied to a person and it follows you, then you shit out a luck.
3: Ah, uh, you've learned well, Chris. You've learned well. <sighs> so that night, as the family was sleeping soundly in their beds, they were awoken to the sound of a terrible racket—a banging sound so loud that it felt as if it shook the foundations of the house. The older family members would compare it to the Blitz, and it was so thunderous and disturbing that it could be heard by neighbours and even out in the street. The police were called, and they could not locate the origin of the noise. So Chris, this is not your ordinary poltergeist. This isn't tapping here and there and a book falling off a shelf. This is like public levels of disturbance and noise nuisance. It's not only disturbing the Hitchings, but those who live around them. And this went on for weeks.
2: That is that is unusual. Because if you think about it as well, if you just take, you know, the sceptics view, and this is a hoax, and Mm -hmm. police have been called, the neighbours are there, you've got all the family members outside. I I mean, mean, the only thing I can think of is that it is Triple H upstairs, and she's just bounding (laughs) around bouncing off the ropes
3: (laughs) the top floor wrestling match with john with his luchador mask on (laughs) so according to the family they became stressed nervous obviously sleep deprived and on top of the banging which shirley said quote seemed to come from the roots of the house the furniture also started to emit a scratching noise, as if something inside the pieces of furniture was desperately trying to claw its way out. So this is not just like construction levels of noise and banging in the actual house, but the furniture's almost alive. They would feel it under the beds, they would feel it in armchairs. And all that made me think of description-wise is like, have you ever heard like termites eat something like a door or a piece of old furniture outside
2: yeah i think i know what you mean like it has a it's like a vibration that runs through everything but it's a wholly unnatural vibration
3: it's a very awful sound yeah. it's just like a million tiny mouths chomping and it just sounds so disturbing it just goes right through you so yeah, the police didn't know what was causing it and nobody could identify where this incessant banging noise was coming from. Journalists and photographers would go to the house to get the scoop and they would all leave feeling disturbed. People who had to pass through the street would cross over to the other side of the road to stay as far away from the cursed house as they possibly could. Okay, that's, that,
2: that's pretty extreme. I mean, the fact that other people knew about this, it was becoming almost... Famous, I suppose you'd say, for these types of incidents, you know, the banging that was going on, the noises. I mean, this is unusual in itself. Uh, I mean, other cases that I can think of, generally, you don't have this kind of external level. It's everything's going on in the house. People want to get in there. People want to, you know, you know, hang on outside to try and find out what's what's going on. It.
3: Yeah, but this really does become famous as we're going to find out. So as time went on, this seemingly supernatural activity began to escalate. To add to the banging and scratching noises, inanimate objects began to move on their own. Shirley described watching her father's slippers walk across the floor as if being worn by invisible disembodied feet. Clocks would float around, chairs would slide across the floor, Glass bottles were thrown in the direction of the grandma, missing her by millimetres. And one night, Shirley's family members rushed to her aid when they heard her screaming from her bedroom and burst into the room to see blankets being pulled down, her back arched, and her body allegedly levitating six inches off the bed.
2: Well, I mean, of all of that, the most egregious thing is wearing another man's slippers. (laughs) I mean, come on, that is just out of
3: line <laughs> <laughs> what a thing to do
4: <laughs> it
2: just shows you the standards of the time though that the ghosts were you know the poltergeists were really going you know straight for the jugular i'm gonna wear this fucker's shoes <laughs> not just his shoes his slippers <laughs> the the levitating though they, i mean sorry who was it who was levitating the daughter Shirley,
3: yeah the daughter
2: surely so it's really interesting, you know, that you mentioned that about the, the levitating because this is something that occurs again and again and again, most famously in the Enfield yes. case where you had, you know, the two girls and there's the photos, the claims that they were levitating. They very much just seem to be jumping off the bed, in my opinion. Yep. However, <laughs> this does this does continue on and on. Young children, especially girls, who are levitating. And, you know, some, the, the there does seem to be a common theme. And I'm not just sure if this is... Me having watched Poltergeist too many times, (laughs) but of young children being targeted by poltergeists and ghosts in general.
3: It does seem to be the case, and you're definitely onto something because this is when the Hitchings realised that the poltergeist activity seemed to be focused on Shirley. She seemed to be the entity's main interest, and it was even said to follow her from the home to her place of work. The media attention didn't do Shirley any favours as it eventually led to her losing her job as well as her friends. She lost job after job over the years due to this poltergeist activity, and how it affected office morale as well as things going missing from multiple workplaces never to be recovered again, which she would be blamed for, because who is really going to believe in a poltergeist? So, despite being a kid, she was just 15. Shirley also gained a lot of unwanted attention from men, who had seen her picture in the newspaper and they would line up outside the family home waiting to catch a glimpse of her which to be honest is a lot creepier than the haunted house itself in my opinion
2: yeah i think you found the real perpetrators of the crime here
3: yeah like that is
2: i can so creepy i mean i'm not i'm not saying i can understand why they did that but you know as i mentioned earlier she is very striking she you can understand like if a if a photograph was published, probably anyone would think that's a good looking young lady. But the fact that she's being stalked not only by a poltergeist, but a thousand pervy old men yeah. probably isn't helping things.
3: Yeah. And it's pretty bad because like, I think John actually accused her of liking the attention and people were like saying, oh, are you just doing this so you can get a bit famous and stuff? Which he was like, no. And Shirley is still alive today and she continues to deny it. The family came up with a name for the poltergeist. Before I reveal it, Chris, Mm -hmm. do you have any guesses or what would you call a poltergeist?
2: I mean, probably they didn't think about this because they weren't familiar with the recording stylings of Wycliffe Jean, but I would probably be calling it Jean.
3: (laughs) Jean. Okay. Sounds very French. That'll make sense later. Well initially the hitchings referred to it as yes spooky Willie." <laughs> <laughs> yes spooky willy the ghostly male presence that followed their teenage daughter around and pulled off her bedsheets in the night
2: <laughs> spooky willy spooky willy's at it again
3: <laughs> they realized that that sounded too ridiculous So they officially christened it Donald.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would just like to say that um, Donald Trump was sentenced for sexual misconduct today. So that probably doesn't help things.
3: So as far as the origins of the name, some report that it was just a silly name that was suggested in reference to Donald Duck. But in later articles, I found there is mention of Shirley's mother saying that when Shirley was a little girl, she used to play with the boy next door who eventually moved away to New Zealand, and he was also called Donald. Apparently this ghost would later communicate details similar to this.
2: Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Uh Right.
3: Stories began coming out about the poltergeist being romantically involved with Shirley, and newspapers started coming up with headlines about the teenager's ghost boyfriend. She was also accused of making the whole thing up for attention, but always denied it. A couple of months after it all started, on February the 22nd, 1956, a séance was held by a spiritualist named Harry Hanks, who attempted to rid Shirley of the entity at his home in Stockwell. Cameras from news and TV shows, as well as reporters and other media figures, were squeezed like sardines into this bloke's living room to witness an exorcism.
2: Oh, thank God there were cameras (laughs) present.
3: We have a newspaper clipping from the archives here, Chris, detailing how that went. So this is from Town Talk, Louisiana, 24th of February, 1956. So this did get...
2: International press.
3: This did go international, Uh uh-huh.
2: Can't get into the spirit of ghostly romance, haunted father bemoans. London, up. A three-week out-of-this-world romance between... A pretty cockney Bobby Soxer and her poltergeist boyfriend was over Thursday. At least, the family hoped it was. Spiritualist Harry Hanks claimed after a tumultuous one-hour seance attended by newsmen and angry police that he had freed 15-year-old Shirley Hitchings from her sweetheart, Donald, a ghost. Shirley herself admitted she felt so different. All of a sudden, I felt my mind go clear, she said. I'm as happy as can be. At first, Shirley was reluctant to end the romance, but she changed her mind after the seance was conducted in the presence of Newsman, Hank's three other mediums, and Shirley's father, who thought the entire ghostly romance was... nonsense. <laughs> At one point, Newsman made so much commotion, police came banging on the doors to relay neighbors' complaints and pled for quiet. Shirley's father, a motorman, admitted the seance was... uncanny. I couldn't feel the spirit leaving, but I felt the power. I'm very happy about it, and I won't be kept awake any longer, she said, mothling a yawn. Hank said now that Donald has quit following Shirley, and you would probably have to get a job. <laughs> he was not an evil spirit, the medium said, adding that Donald will now be taken care of by the spiritual people and put to work. Donald cost her her job as a shopgirl, she said. He scared the other shopgirls of his constant wrappings. She said she liked having him around, even though he threatened her a bit. <laughs> Take home fish caught bullion pint prayers. <laughs> F- family Wash Laundry, beautifully done, brother Black Man Laundry, dial six 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 what the What fuck?
3: a lovely paper. <laughs> Chris is just reading the advertisements underneath.
2: <laughs> so that, uh, that seemed a bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, retelling of this incident. Um, is that how it was largely received?
3: Well, people kind of thought it was just a silly made-up thing. And of course, like, they have this pretty young girl and this ghost that is obsessed with her. And they're like, oh, it's a romance. And ooh, an exorcism. And oh my God, it's it gets worse. It starts oh, to get out of hand, Chris. So we have a picture of this exorcism. In Mr Harry Hank's house and we also have a little caption to go along with it describing that. If you could describe the picture and then read the caption for us Chris.
2: Of course. So here we have a picture with Shirley who is tugging on the arm of Hank and her mother and father are sitting concerned off to her left. This is a very, 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 very British 1950s house.
1: <laughs> yes. There is a,
2: a mantelpiece with a, a clock on it. and um,
3: Lovely wallpaper.
2: Wall, wallpaper that can only be described as um, offensive to common sense. <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, this is appearing to be at the seance. And Mr. Hanks is um, a little bit different than I imagined him. He's got a, a, a very pronounced widow's peak. Yeah, I would guess he was in his late 50s, possibly early 60s. Um, he's wearing a suit with a jumper underneath, and he's got uh, sort of beady specks, um, like, what do you call them, like, Dr. Robotnik spectacles on, yeah. and a, <laughs> uh, a a pencil moustache, as was the style at the time. Yes. We have a caption to go along with this picture, which says, After receiving a 999 call saying that a black magic circle had been... Police went to a seance held last night to exercise the poltergeist of 15-year-old Shirley Hitchings, who says a ghost called Donald had been dogging her for three weeks. <coughs> Obviously a different um, different meaning of the word dogging back then. <laughs> yeah. The police left after talking to several people attending the seance. The seance was organised by 55-year-old spiritualist Mr. Harry Hanks at his home at Groveway Stockwell. Mr. Hanks went into a trance during the seance and... Whilst his wife was out speaking with police, her husband's voice said, It is freed! Mr. Hanks awoke and the meeting broke up. Shirley said, I feel happier. I think the poltergeist is gone for good. photo shows Mr. Hanks, the spiritualist, wearing glasses, and Shirley Hitchings, second from right, seen after the
3: séance. So, why had police shown up to the séance that night? Well... An anonymous tipster had called in a complaint of black magic.
2: Dun, dun, dun. Not on my street.
3: Not on Wycliffe Road. So Mr. Hanks had actually complained to his MP afterwards. (laughs) And a Mr. Marcus Lipton, who at the time was Brixton's Labour MP, stood up in the House of Commons demanding Hanks receive an apology from police for disturbing his exorcism. (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, contact your local MP today about any kind of issues is what I have to say. Um, if you've got exorcism problems and you're being plagued by police, just go to your MP.
3: Go the local Labour MP. So in an attempt to explain why exactly the police had hammered on Hank's door on the night of the event, Home Secretary Lloyd George explained...
2: In an attempt to explain why exactly the police had hammered on Hank's door on the night of the event... Home Secretary Lloyd George explained, "'Normally, the reasons for police action in the course of their duty are not given. But in the circumstances of this case, I am willing to state that I am informed by the Commissioner of Police that on the evening of the 22nd of February, the police received information purporting to come from this address about a black magic circle proposed to be held there that evening.' As a practice of black magic is an offence at common law, the police called to inquire whether there were any grounds for police action.
3: So nothing really came of the hearing. There was no black magic nor devils involved and the police said that after 15 minutes they left satisfied that nothing was amiss. Now Chris, although it seemed like the séance slash exorcism was a success, we know that the haunting persisted for over a decade. So this was not the end of Donald. Oh no. Now let's shift our focus onto another incredibly creepy character in this story, Ronald Maxwell, who was a journalist for the Daily Mail. Yes, Chris, the same Daily Mail that humiliated Marmaduke Wetherill, the South African big game hunter in our Loch Ness Monster episode. Swines. And going by Shirley's account of what happened to her during her interaction with the paper, Well, let's just say that the paper was as unscrupulous as you'd expect. So allegedly, they sent for Shirley at her home, coaxed her into this black-driven car, brought her to their offices on Fleet Street, and sent her into a room where a woman made her strip down to her underwear so they could check her over. So Shirley was then sent into another room where Maxwell, the journalist, was waiting. And they brought her a can of Tizer, old school, and some candy and start interviewing her and taking pictures and trying to coax out Donald. And Donald starts tapping, revealing that the exorcism was a flop. They start inquiring about Shirley's boots and asking her to take them off, clearly trying to investigate where the noises came from. Maxwell noticed that the tapping seemed to come from the floor, so we can presume that he thought Shirley was making the tapping and banging noises with her feet or toes. And if you remember, Chris, our episode about the Fox sisters and spiritualism, you'll recall that one of the Fox sisters actually confessed mm. to making those snapping and tapping noises with her toes.
2: Yes, I do remember that. Um, that was one of the revelations of that episode that she was able to, um, to click her toes.
3: And so loudly it could fill a hall full of people.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean... I mean, obviously, you have to look for the most obvious repre- uh, of the most obvious explanation mm-hmm. first. Um, I hope that Shirley was allowed to put her clothes back on. Yes, yes, she did. But
3: imagine that. you're just fifteen; you get taken from your parents' house, and then you have to take your clothes off in front of some random woman that you don't know.
2: That that I mean that sounds sounds like the Daily Mail.
3: Yeah, it does. If you recall, that like, um, Shirley's mother, Kitty, had chronic arthritis. Which can be hereditary. Mm. So Shirley had a hammer toe. Uh, A what now? (laughs) A hammer toe. In a nutshell, this is a toe with an extra joint, which can produce a loud click. So this could excuse the taps and knocks, but it certainly doesn't explain the banging that was so loud the authorities were alerted and called neighbours. Also, hammer toe is a good name for a metal band, or perhaps alternative lyrics for MC Hammer's Hammer Time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just looked up apparently. There's also there's claw toe, hammer toe, mallet toe. There's all kinds, of, all
3: kinds just, of toe toes deformities.
2: <laughs> all kinds of toes, and you can find them all on OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> so yeah, very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know enough about that subject to be able to guess if that could actually cause i mean if you call something a hammer toe it sounds like it makes a lot of noise but is it just a a deformity because surely i don't know this would be like a thing right
3: yeah apparently the people who have like this condition can click the toe because of the extra joint
2: right okay Mm. Mm.
3: from here things really began to ramp up and on the 12th of march 1956 police detectives were called to the Hitchings' home to investigate a fire that had injured the family patriarch, Wally. Now, Chris, we have a newspaper article here that was printed in the Evening Standard on the same day of the event describing what happened. So if you would be kind enough to read this little article to the listeners.
2: Police called to Haunted House Blaze. Detectives were called today to a house in Wycliffe Road, Battersea which is said to be haunted by a poltergeist. Fire had broken out in a downstairs front bedroom. Mr. Walter Hitchings, 47-year-old London transport motorman who lives there, was taken to hospital with burns to his right hand and arm. His 15-year-old daughter Shirley said, Daddy heard me scream after I had smelled burning from the top landing. He rushed from the kitchen and beat out the flames which were burning an elder down and the bed cover. A green flash... From the landing, I saw a green flash and then flames coming out of the bedroom. Last night, the poltergeist started tapping out messages and we did not get to bed at all. Mr. John Hitchings, 26, Shirley's brother, said the messages warned us that the house might be set on fire. What? So
3: a fire in the house is terrifying enough, poltergeist or not. But Wally was actually injured in this fire and he needed to receive medical attention and his injuries... Are described as follows. The bedclothes were alight. Dad saw smoke coming out of the door and tried to put out the flames, and while he was doing it, he said he felt something clawing at him. They took him to hospital, and after they'd cleaned him up, they found all these deep claw marks down his arms. It looked like he had been mauled by a wild animal. Apparently, they were what looked like claw marks inside of the burns. Ah how weird is this first of all donald wrote a letter saying warning them he was gonna set a fire
2: wait 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 wait.
3: then there's a fire
2: (laughs) hold on donald sorry i thought donald was tapping out messages which sounds more like a a poltergeist thing he wrote a letter yes (laughs) do poltergeists typically write letters
3: chris this poltergeist started writing letters And we will get into that. (laughs) We will even see some examples of letters written by a poltergeist. But what do you think, first of all, of this fire? I mean, it's injured Wally. So if this is a hoax, somebody is being really malicious, (laughs) right?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is pretty vindictive. You have to wonder about who the other, if it's not a poltergeist, who might be behind this and... I wonder if there's any motivation in that, though. I mean, you know, John, an adopted sibling brought into the family. Might he have cause for jealousy? Or might, Shirley have cause for jealousy against him? Uh, I can't imagine the, the grandmother doing it, but like you said, she was, a, in your words, a battle axe. You, you've... you've <laughs>
3: They're not my words.
2: <laughs> you've got the parents, but as, again, we, we mentioned here that... You know, uh, you know, a mother kitty um, was wheelchair bound, unlikely to be able to concoct a lot of these things. And then a father has been horrifically burned. And yeah. if it's if it's the father that's behind this, that's commitment to the bit. That is exactly. C- I serious. mean, whoever's
3: behind this, because you could have burned the whole house down by s- basically they set the parents' bed on fire, which is psychotic.
0: Yeah. So
2: it's it's mental. yeah.
3: So I, I I believe that most people listening to this probably don't think that there's a poltergeist. They probably uh, think that it, you know, I don't mm. know. Uh, maybe a lot of people might think uh, uh, there's no such thing as poltergeists. So it's obviously a person or some phenomena. I don't know what. But yeah, either way you look at it, it's terrifying.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing that sort of got me off the poltergeist train is the... Spooky letters written by Donald, which I mean, I've never heard of a case of a ghost, a bald ghost, or any kind of entity writing lovely letters.
3: I feel like I have heard stories. It might have been the Bawley Rectory haunting where I think a ghost left like some writing on a wall or something, or maybe they draw something. But these letters. Venus. <laughs> no. Maybe, maybe there's some cases like that, because, you know, some guys have to be modern, right?
2: <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if, if there's ever mysterious penises show up anywhere, doodled on walls after I'm gone, <laughs> I'm haunting you.
3: Awesome. <laughs> yeah, if one of us dies, we have to haunt the other one, just to prove.
2: I don't, I don't want to get into this park.
3: <laughs> you have to. We can't just be friends no. in this life. It has to extend into the I afterlife. Do.
2: Well, that's fine, but can you not wait until we're both dead? Do you have to haunt me? Or do I have to haunt you, man?
3: Well, yeah. Whoever's, like, alive longer than the other, we have to haunt to prove. Just We'll just draw a big wang. <laughs> It'll be a funny haunting. We're not going to set each other on fire and such. Oh, okay, right, fine. <laughs> okay. So, Chris. Yes? Enter Harold Chibbit, or Chib, as he liked to be called. Uh, hello, Chib. So, Chib contacted the hitchings family and offered his ghost hunting services free of charge he set up camp in their small kitchen and he slept there keeping notes about the haunting and poltergeist activity for his day job chib was a tax man but he had previously been a pilot in world war one and he held some spiritualist beliefs which wasn't uncommon for those who had lost friends and loved ones in the war But Chib really wanted to prove that there was such thing as ghosts and that you could communicate with them once they'd passed. So he really wanted to communicate with Donald to prove this, which he and the family did initially through taps, which involved spreading out some cards with the alphabet on, pointing to each letter of the alphabet which was printed and fanned out in a circle on the floor, and Whoever was conversing with Donald would get their answers to questions by pointing at a letter until he responded with a tap. So kind of like a Ouija board.
2: Yeah, okay. Right. Interesting.
3: Mm -hmm. So Donald told the Hitchings through these messages and through letters, Chris. Letters and notes that he wrote and left around. He'd leave them in locked rooms that people apparently didn't have any access to he'd leave them in a guest book near the front door, he'd just leave these little notes around. So through this communication, Donald told the Hitchings to buy him his own pen and book and he eventually began writing notes in this. Usually the notes demanded things, things he wanted them to buy for him or things he wanted them to do for him and when they failed to comply, there would be consequences. So... The fire set to Wally and Kitty's bed was a punishment for them failing to call over a specific reporter that Donald wanted to come to the house, and he warned them that if this reporter didn't come, he would set the fire. I have an example of the kind of notes that Donald started off with, Chris, so if you could kindly read this poetic brilliance to the listeners certainly and describe the handwriting also if you will
2: so let's have a look at this uh, this note written by uh donald the poltergeist
3: are you ready are you prepared oh i'm ready i'm very ready here it comes
2: uh okay right um so this is uh, written on a scrap of paper it's jotter paper but they've not stuck to the lines the it has been turned sideways Mm-hmm. um so they're not writing on the line the the lines are vertical the there's, there's two handwriting on here on here two different handwriting but the, the lower of the two is written in pencil and uh, is clearly by one of the people in the home it says one
3: i believe chib,
2: chib oh wow well, by chib it says 1 45 a.m 22nd of march writing by donald himself he's got very beautiful cursive handwriting now, Donald's handwriting appears to be, as in blue pen, it's written, I assume, with his non dominant hand while uh, <laughs> he was extremely drunk. It is very, very, very <laughs> shaky. It's made of two words, um, both of which. No, no, no. Oh.
3: Three words, Three first. words.
2: Okay, so I can see the last mm-hmm. word is come, uh, as in C O M E.
3: <laughs> Spooky Willy.
2: Spooky Willy, come. <laughs> Um, what, what, what is it? I thought it said she- Shelly or oh, sure, sh- No wonder it didn't reply with his request. Fucking hell.
3: Let me help you out here, Chris. In very spooky ghost looking handwriting, it says,
4: Shirley, I come. <laughs> oh.
3: Which in the context of the story is possibly one of the worst letters to yeah. receive. <laughs> Poor Shirley. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, so he's 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 threatening that he's going to come um, to to Shirley. Um, uh, yeah, that, that Shirley, I come. Right, don't call me Shirley. Um, <laughs> 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 okay, right. So I mean, this is this is very shaky handwriting. Uh, it, but at the same time, as I was joking before, it could have been written by somebody with their left hand.
3: Yeah, I feel like it's written in the style of someone who pretends, who's pretending to be a ghost and is going, ooh, <laughs> as they write because the letters are all shaky. <laughs> as if, like, in the style that you would write a Halloween card or make a Halloween banner.
2: Yeah, it's very, very spooky aesthetic.
3: It's very scrawly. It's pretty gnarly. Maybe he didn't have much power back when he started writing them. So they came out like this. This will be on the Instagram so you can all look at Shirley I come. So
2: (laughs) did they, did these get more legible as time went on then?
3: Well, I wouldn't say they got more legible but they got a lot bigger, you know. Basically, Donald decided fuck this notepad I'm going to go big and not go home. So Chris, here. Is another example of his beautiful writing. This is well. You can explain what this is. Here you go.
2: Ah, okay. So he's decided to uh, to abandon the scraps paper in the notepad, and he's decided just to to write on their lovely wallpaper. Um, hmm. and he's obviously as big a fan of a wallpaper as I am, because <laughs> he's got no problem just disregarding it. There's two side by side pictures. Here. On the first one, it appears to say Viva France. And the second one, uh, Red Lose? Red Foo. Reduce?
3: Your Mm. guess is as good as mine, Chris.
2: Oh, good.
3: (laughs) But yeah, can you describe the style?
2: It's very scratchy, as if someone's kind of stabbed at the the wallpaper if you will but it is a lot more cursive i would say yeah than the first attempt it's it's a lot more resembling actual letters
3: it's very large on the wall it's probably three quarters of the wallpaper
2: has he also drawn little trees or little
3: i don't know what those are no i don't know but the letters are very disconnected They're like drooping down the wall. The letters are very far apart, spaced out. It just looks, it kind of just looks like a Middle Eastern text, Mm. although that's meant to be the alphabet. It's. We'll put these up too, but it's very strange and quite high up on the wall too. You can see it's above like, a. I think that's a B-row and it's above that. Mm. So it goes quite high up as well.
2: Yeah, there does appear to be something in the, the upper part of the wall well. Um, in the left-hand side photograph, there's some scrolling at the top of the wall, and on the second photo, ab- ab- above what seems to be the R in red, there's another little tree that's been drawn.
3: Yep, and I have another picture here, and that first picture that you're looking at is the ceiling.
2: Ah, okay. So it looks like he said a game of tic-tac-toe on the ceiling.
3: Yep. Yep, he has.
2: <laughs> Good on you, Donald. Good on you.
3: Yeah, he was vandalising the inside of the house. They would come home and things would be, you know, the classic poltergeist thing. Things would be flipped. The rooms would be absolutely trashed. Maybe,
2: oh, maybe I've got a poltergeist. Oh.
3: <laughs> I think you've got a kid.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. I've got, I've got a one-year-old.
3: Yeah. <laughs> now, take this with a pinch of salt, if you will, because handwriting experts aren't an exact science, but... A handwriting expert hired by a BBC Radio 4 podcast series on this haunting said that Shirley's handwriting did seem to match with Donald's.
2: Ah. Also,
3: apparently, neither of them were great at spelling. But like I said, take it with a pinch of salt because, you know, it's handwriting analysis.
2: Yeah, I mean, these cases that we cover, it always does seem to come back to the person who the haunting all centres around.
3: Yeah, it, yeah, unfortunately it, it does seem to. Well, not unfortunately, but usually it seems to yes.
2: But it seems that this this seems a bit of an outlier in so much as just the sheer scale of what's happening. I mean, if you think about it, a you 15-year-old know, girl, these big loud noises that are being made, the the police coming along because of the, the noises at their house originally, presumably you know, if, if Shirley was out on the street as well, what's happening inside the house? Yeah. Where are these noises coming from? Exactly. They,
3: yeah, because part of it you feel like, okay, Shirley could easily be doing that or anyone could be writing on the walls. Mm. But then you think back to the the loud banging construction style noise that was disrupting the entire street. And you're like, well, who the hell, how are they doing yeah. that?
2: And the fire with, uh, you know, scratch marks inside the burns.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen, like, this is reported, and, um like, apparently it did happen, and there's police reports and stuff about it, but I haven't seen pictures of the wounds, but, you know, this is what they say, so. Either way, it, if it's people, that's very psychotic and scary, <laughs> like you'd set fire to your own family member's bed.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Um. and I mean, Shirley, did she have a, did she have any kind of disposition towards this, you know, was she acting out was there any reason for her to be behaving in this way
3: well till this day she claims that she had no part in it although she does say consciously had no part in it and she has written books on it i haven't read them but i i really want to now but yeah she's still alive today and she's still at the time of this recording and she still denies deliberately Having any part in this whatsoever? Mm. Okay, well, yeah. Uh,
2: if you're listening to this, Shirley, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just trying to just trying to uh, uncover all the um, the likely answers for this. And um,
3: she actually takes questioning um, very well, as well. Like she she understands that people are going to accuse her and question yeah. these. Things. I mean,
2: I wouldn't want to uh, quote unquote accuse her of anything, but you know, it's the most likely answer to things. So you have to interrogate the 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 sort of most obvious explanation for this
3: yeah i mean so far what's come out of it is attention and a little bit of fame Mm. the notes that donald was writing started off pretty basic as you could see he would threaten now and again and the usual poltergeist shtick but eventually he started giving information like names, dates, street names, which were seemingly random, and these letters were coming in droves per day, and by the end of this decade-long haunting, there was thousands of letters in total. So on the subject of these random names and places and street names that he used to give, Chib discovered that one list of names matched up to employees of a theatre in London on Drury Street in the 1700s. So Donald had given a list of names, he'd given Drury Street, and he'd given 1700s, like the exact date. So this sent Chib into full throttle, into the communication with Donald, and he got kind of obsessed with communicating with Donald, and thinking that this was his proof. He was like, this is the case that's going to prove it, that you can communicate with the dead, that ghosts exist, he's going to write a book. He got really obsessed into it. So five months into this haunting, through these communications, they found out that Donald died drowning in the English Channel when coming over from France by boat before the revolution and eventually identified him as Lost Prince Louis seventeenth of France. Oh, (laughs) fuck's sake.
2: Shit. Oh, you had me! For fuck's sake! Right. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is no. weird this is the point of this story. When I was researching it, that I just went, "What the fuck? <laughs>
2: why? Why would lost Prince Louis the? Did you say seventeenth?
3: Seventeenth of France? Yeah, he was a little boy, actually. Right. Um." Yeah, so his uh, family members had been, like, killed and executed, I think. And there's this sort of legend that Louis seventeenth escaped France and survived somehow. However, I think that that was later disproven when they DNA tested the boy's heart, which had been preserved in a crystal jar as per royal tradition. And It was confirmed that this was extremely likely to be his, like compared to his like, lineage and his family members. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Don't yeah, ask me I'm about just, it, I, but I'm looking yeah.
2: at it now. It's, it's, I mean, that's a oh, okay, a right? <laughs> curi- curiosity for you, right there. Um, yeah,
3: so this, um, might explain why Donald was writing in French sometimes as well as English. English but as you can see the the French was wasn't exactly grammatically correct so, so it was sort of broken you, French
2: yeah you you ex- I suppose you can explain this away by saying well it's a small child you know I well, we can't do it but why why is Louis Donald Donald Don- <laughs> Don- Donald Donald Louis
3: Donald Chris I have about as much of a clue as you do right now
2: Je joue au foot à la weekend.
3: <laughs> Beautiful. Chip gets more obsessed with communicating with Donald and he dedicates nearly all of his spare time to it even staying up all night. Keep in mind that Chip has a wife who is likely worried about him and probably feeling very neglected. They even end up going to Paris.
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what what he and his wife or he and donald
3: <laughs> well donald might have been there who knows but him and his wife went because he was like really going down the rabbit hole he was like where would king louis have been brought into england where would he have been hiding could he have been hiding here he was looking at maps of france he was he was really going down the rabbit hole with this like it consumed him
2: wow it's i mean it's it's funny isn't it cuz now how history repeats itself. Because, I mean, now we're living with a model modern-day Donald who's sending everybody on conspiracy theories left, right, and centre. Oh.
3: <laughs> While Chib is really getting obsessed into this, he's in the trenches here, his wife finds a printed television programme, the Radio Times, if I recall correctly, and he notices that there's an article about a theatre from the 1700s With the exact list of names that Donald supposedly tapped out that night. And it was a recent issue.
2: Which might have been in the family home.
3: Exactly. The family loved watching TV and Donald loved watching TV. They called the living room Donald's room. And he would tap along to, like, the intros of TV shows that he liked. And he would write his poltergeist letters to famous people that he liked on the TV. And he would demand the family send these letters to these Hollywood stars or these actors or whatnot. Whoever he saw and he got interested in, he would tap along to pop songs. He was really into everything a teenage Bobby Soxer would probably be into, Chris.
2: hmm I mean, this does support the kind of the the idea that um, Shirley was making the tapping. But Mm. I I, thing that I get hung up on here is I just don't know how somebody could make such a loud, repeated tapping noise with their feet without somebody noticing them at all.
3: Well, the Fox sisters did it. They did it for a long time and toured with it.
2: (laughs) But the Fox sisters were, they, they obscured their feet. They were wearing shoes. They were, you know, it was under the table. It was it, it in a close family setting. Yeah,
3: well, she could have been doing that too. She could do it in her shoes. She could, you know, I don't think you have to move your foot to do that. I think you can just. But yeah, you're right. Um, quite hard to. But wouldn't you just disguise it? To you.
2: I mean, if I'd been investigating this, the first thing I would have done as soon as the the knocking sounds came about, I'd be diving down to her shoes and putting my ear against them and seeing if that's where they were coming from.
3: <laughs> well, you, I laugh, but actually a female journalist, like a lot of journalists came over throughout this, like 12 years, I think it was, and a female journalist came over to have a sleepover in Shirley's room with her to experience the poltergeist activity because it happened so frequently. And she actually held Shirley's hands and put her legs over Shirley's legs and feet. Mm. And the noises apparently happened and the reporter was very scared and said that it seemed it sounded like it was coming from under the bed. Everyone said that it always came from the floor or the foundations of the house. And this reporter, she did that. She, she thought, OK, I'm going to rule this out. I'm going to cover her hands and feet. And the bedcloths were being pulled off. And the the noises were happening, so wow. it's it's bizarre. It's really bizarre.
2: <laughs> it's um, I see that there isn't because we haven't heard any of it yet. But there there isn't any recordings of
3: this. No, there was a TV show, but the footage apparently it's long lost.
2: Oh, man,
3: yeah, I know it's so disappointing. I don't know if we'll ever find anything extra, but. Um if people like this case because there's a lot more to it. Um and I also contacted the met to try and get those um police reports from back in the day, the incident reports. So um I'm waiting on those. So if if I, if the listeners are interested and you're interested Chris, you know like DM us and tell us that you. Maybe we'll do a vote like a poll on Instagram if you want like a follow up to this, we can definitely do one because there's a lot when it comes to this case. Mm.
2: I mean, I'd definitely be interested in that. Uh, I, I want to find out, I want to know more about, because of the length of what's happened, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years, a decade. I, I mean, it's just so bizarre, but what happened
3: at the end of that decade? Well, we'll get to that. But on the subject of the communication, so so now, now that Chib's wife has shown him the Radio Times, right, he gets a bit suspicious he starts to doubt it he's like oh i've been had basically and he also start <laughs> he also starts to notice that some of the letters that donald was leaving out it was about things that shirley's parents had to buy for her like full outfits coats and shoes <laughs> and they would say things like don't worry about the bank just take that money out and buy these things for shirley <laughs> <laughs> Which I just find so funny.
2: You must buy that record from that hot new star, Elvis Presley. Don't worry about the cost. <laughs> yeah. Just buy them exactly. all.
3: And these notes would also demand that Shirley be introduced to handsome movie stars of the time.
1: <laughs> mm.
3: Yes. So now, just as everyone was beginning to suspect that Shirley maybe Donald... One of Donald's notes predicted something quite interesting. 9-11. The note warned... No. (laughs) The note warned that a movie star he liked was going to get into an accident, and the Hitchings had 24 hours to warn him. Of course, being a family in the arse end of London with zero Hollywood agent connections, this didn't happen. The following day in the newspaper reported that the actor had suffered a car accident... No. He wasn't injured, however. He was just in shock. <laughs> what the
2: fuck? I thought you were going to say it was James <laughs> Dean for a second.
3: No, no.
2: <laughs> wow.
3: So. Coincidence? Proof of clairvoyancy? What are your know. thoughts now, Chris? There are,
2: there are no such <laughs> thing as coincidences, just convergences. That Ew. That is very odd, though. That is something that you. Isn't it? it? It, it lends weight or anecdotal weight to the theory Mm -hmm. that this is real
3: like either that was a good guess or or that is some spooky shit (laughs) yeah like
2: i don't know i think that the the evidence that a lot of the things were requesting things for shirley yet he seems to have an antagonistic relationship with shirley like that he's coming and he's you know making threats and scratching under the bed and things like why would he then be like oh she definitely needs that new pair of brogues like (laughs) make much sense no um i'm not sure if this is the right place to interject with this but i i feel like we're we're forgetting about the potential MacGuffin from the beginning of this episode what happened to the key
3: i think it just disappeared
2: (laughs) so they never they never found out what what it open
3: no but like like i said when he was writing these notes and he was writing over 50 notes a day sometimes which is insane they would find them in locked rooms like rooms that because every door back then had a key for it so you could lock a bedroom yes. door you could lock whatever room you wanted and i think the dad wally would lock these doors And then when he went in the next day or whatever, he'd find notes in there from Donald, (laughs) which is very creepy. But that key didn't fit anything, remember. So it was just there and that's when it all began.
2: Mm. It's just very, very, very strange. I mean, if you have 50 notes a day, you would think that somebody would spy. Yeah. What was going on.
3: But they were found all over the shop, you know, like... There was no one place. But you think they'd be keeping an eye out. Like, I'd be so paranoid if I was suspecting my family members. Like, who is the poltergeist? I'd never sleep. That's...
2: I just find it unbelievable that she'd be able to write all of these notes. I mean, if it was up to 50 notes a day, you know, it's like mass production. That's 350 notes a week. (laughs) Like, where...
3: How... Are they... What?! You know what was quite strange, though? Like that Shirley I Come note. We said it was all wobbly and sort of spooky looking. But I guess if you were writing it behind your back or something, you know, like if you're sitting in a room Mm. and you have your hands behind your back and you write upside down and then you just drop it to the floor and then go, "Ooh, look, a note from Donald. (laughs)
1: Like
3: that could explain the writing.
2: You'd have to be quite skilled to do that. But the the first thing that you would do if you were trying to mask your Handwriting would be right with your non-dominant hand.
3: Exactly. There's a lot of embellishment. And that's what made the um, handwriting expert think that it was someone definitely disguising their handwriting to make it look like someone else. That's like a classic thing that people do.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. So about the Grandma Ethel.
2: Oh, I forgot about you, Triple H. Yes.
3: Donald didn't like Grandma Ethel. She didn't believe in him. She thought he was like a devil if he was there. She was sick of it, she was too old for that shit, and unfortunately, she died after one particularly strange night, wherein the voice of an Irish woman was heard in the house. The whole family witnessed this, the disembodied voice of an Irish woman, and this voice said its name was Sarah. Sarah was the name of Ethel's mother.
2: Was she Irish?
3: Mm Mm-hmm, yep. Ah. I know. Everyone heard this. So Ethel was taken to hospital that night after she had a second stroke and she knew that she wasn't coming back home and she said as much as she was being taken away and the news of her death came the following morning.
2: Ah, well that, that's a much different type of incident. I mean, this is... Is this a, a, another ghost? Is this Donald doing some silly voices? I mean, this. this is who knows? I mean, there's been cases before where I believe in, in the uh, the Enfield case as well, I believe there was talk of voices and a lot of it
4: mm-hmm.
2: centred around the fact was that maybe one of the girls had ventriloquist abilities.
3: Just like the Jeff the Mongoose case, eh? Yeah, just like Jeff Which Mongoose as Which is another well. poltergeist apparently, or a cryptid. Who knows how we're going to categorise Jeff?
2: <laughs> Check that out in the archives. It's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Yep. But the, the thing that seems odd about that is that this just seems to have randomly popped into the story it's not an ever developing thing Geth, or well, Jeff for mongoose is is always talking
3: yeah he doesn't shut but, up
2: <laughs> but Donald doesn't seem to
3: talk so no he writes he knocks he taps he doesn't really talk they they had heard like him say like one word here or there but that can be you know misheard can't it mm. you can sometimes mistake a noise for sounding like a voice but it's not really yeah But yeah, Grandma Ethel... um, She's out of the picture. Yep, she's out of the picture the same night that apparently she heard the voice of her long-deceased mother and she said, that's my mother's voice. She actually said that, Mm. which is very spooky, honestly.
2: (laughs) Did any other characters pop up poltergeist-wise?
3: No. No. Just um, Donald continuing to do the same thing. I think um, Wally was so tired that he actually couldn't do his job safely anymore. He had to become like a ticket checker because he he didn't have the concentration because he was so sleep deprived and anxious and stressed. It affected everybody in like a really bad way. Chib got quite ill too because he was sleeping on the kitchen floor. He was staying awake all night. And Chib actually continued to search for the ghost of King Louis. He never did find him, and he eventually died in 1978 of a heart attack, I believe. Donald became controlling of Shirley. He was writing notes telling her how to dress, what to wear, how to wear hair, who to date, who not to date. Present day, she describes Donald as feeling like an abusive partner. Despite his controlling antics, Shirley actually got married in 1965 to a man named Derek. And Donald approved of Derek for some reason. Don't know what his specifications were, but he approved. And she moved out of her parents' house and eventually her parents moved a couple of streets over. And the haunted house was eventually demolished. His final protest was to brush black paint on the ceilings of the house before it was flattened. Although he did follow to new properties. It seemed his power had dimmed, and the letters and scrolling became few and far between, and then communication eventually ceased. So like I mentioned earlier, there's a BBC Radio 4 podcast series on this, and it's got like voice actors and things, it's really good. It's called The Battersea Poltergeist, and it's it's a really good listen. And Shirley is, the present day Shirley, is actually interviewed on there. She says a few bits and pieces. And she said that she's actually really scared to talk about the case because she doesn't want Donald to come back. She's worried that it's going to, like, unleash him back into the world again. So far, there's been nothing, but this case is getting a bit more attention these days. And, yeah, she's apparently um, scared. She was on Good Morning TV as well, GMTV. And we can have a look at that if you like. Go on, then. We can watch that together if you want. Just because I think it's quite interesting for you to see her now.
1: Since the book came out, um, we have found so much more about Donald, and uh, it was it was giving up its secrets. Um, I I accepted Danny's offer to uh, do the podcast so that I could. Uh, further, you know, tell on with the story.
4: Well, Donald is the name that was given to the poltergeist. And just explain what life was like uh, with the family. What did Donald actually do to you all?
1: Oh, it it was horrendous. As you said, it started with the key. And and that night, uh, the noises began. And it seemed to come from the walls and the ceiling, the floors, and both neighbours either side, because we are terraced house, um, heard it. And the police were called at three o'clock in the morning and they heard it out in the street. And um, it went on till I think daylight and we were all traumatised. And I just because cl- I was a little girl, I clung on to my dad and said, please make it stop. And um, it, it didn't. There was, you know, daylight came and uh, we were very, very traumatised. And um, it went on for there and it lasted for weeks, every night, pound, pound, the noises and then things started to uh pots and pans would be uh thrown and we had to dodge them you know in case they hit you and uh at one time the clock came off the mantelpiece and floated across the room and landed on the dining room table and we just at night when all this was going on just sat in the kitchen and, and to ride it out and let it all happen.
0: It must have been so frightening. I mean, your father had to give up his job. I mean, this went on, all in all, this kind of went on for over a decade. A lot of people would be saying, why Why didn't you move? Or why didn't you go and stay with somebody else? Uh,
1: well, my parents were happy. Uh, we rented the property and my grandmother and uh, stepbrother had the top flat and my mum had the bottom flat and she was invalid and it it was all keyed for her to get about in a wheelchair and they didn't want to move up until it happened we i had a, a lovely childhood and um we just didn't know what was happening to us it's but interesting
4: they... it's surely the, the thing is there you say one thing there that that the house was uh a rental um so yeah. this is this was this was an experience that was enough to prevent your father from working it made him ill now we'll come yeah. to the fact that your your mum actually when donald finally went your mum missed him because it was like losing a son in the house i mean she'd got she'd almost got sort of fond of this madness um but um, but at the same time you you could have moved um and there were people within the media, within the street, within the police force, um, who who actually thought, this is someone in the family. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're making this up.
1: Yeah, well, the finger was pointed at me because um, uh, after a while, uh, Mr Chibbett, the investigator, turned up, told us what we had, a poltergeist, and we'd never heard of it before. And uh, he was a lovely man. And he stuck with us and uh he 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 camped out in our uh kitchen diner and um he he it was through him that I'm lucky to have all the the files that he did a day-to-day um what happened and um he he did tame Donald in the end. He, he he was the one that got through to
4: him. Well, he left in 1968. Donald left in 1968. You weren't at home at the time. Um, he wrote a note. He just wrote goodbye, uh, and uh, and he disappeared. Your mother missed him, as I mentioned. And he took the key. That key that was there the first time was never seen again. Um, do you know why he he disappeared? What, what what was the prompting of Donald suddenly disappearing?
1: Um. I don't know. Um, I was living in West Sussex, and my parents were in Battersea, and uh, we were getting messages where we lived, uh, telling us that what my parents were doing in, in London, and the, they were getting messages what my husband Derek and I were doing in West Sussex. And um, out of the blue one day dad phoned and said we had this message he used to call me girl he said uh we i think donald has gone he left the message that he was going mum immediately went into mourning and was very upset but dad and i yippee you know get on with my life now yeah
3: I forgot that he left a goodbye note.
2: Yeah, he left a goodbye note and took the key with him. Bye. I'm taking my haunted key of
3: God. I wonder where he took it to the next house.
2: Someone's out there with Donald, right now. Yeah. Or King Louis the Seventeenth,
3: <laughs> or a little boy who went mm. to New Zealand. <laughs> well, that was the case of uh, the Battersea poltergeist, aka Donald Chris. Ooh.
2: <laughs> they're always interesting these poltergeist cases
3: um, especially this one
2: and yeah i'm, I'm infinitely interested i'm definitely going to check out this bbc documentary as well when i get a, a moment to, to listen to it
3: it's think, great
2: the thing with poltergeist cases is they almost always seem to follow this carbon copy mm-hmm. of a story and we just watched a short interview with um Shirley there who was saying that she'd never even heard of a poltergeist when it was diagnosed as such by professionals Um, and I suppose that's one important definition to make that I'm here saying well it fits all the the tropes of it doesn't it it's you know know, if you've seen poltergeist if you've seen any kind of movie that features a ghost it's the same sort of thing Mm. it centres around a child and it's you know, there are differences, of course, the notes, chief among them, but it it does follow that sort of thing. But at the time, there would have been no real discourse on this. I mean, unless you'd found a book somewhere with like Eleanor Zergen's case or some shit like that in there. Well, it's I highly, mean, Harry Price
3: was doing his thing. And I'm sure people knew what Paul De Geist were. They've been in literature and stuff, haven't they, for a long time? Mm. So enough, I feel like but, it's kind of strange that you go, I have no idea. I mean, like, a ghost and a poltergeist, kind of similar things, right?
2: True. Do I don't I mean?
3: think you, you could claim in, like, the hmm. mid-50s that you had no clue what a poltergeist or ghost is. I think that's uh, a bit...
2: Not a ghost, definitely not a ghost. Maybe a poltergeist. I, I can see that. But ghosts, no, so I mean, she knew what a ghost was. So I guess poltergeist Mm. is just a type of ghost in yeah if you want to boil it down to its base elements i'm sure somebody's sitting there going no it's not but just follow my example
3: it is i think i i would agree with that it's a type of ghost a type of spirit
2: yeah so Mm. maybe you know if you want to take a skeptics view maybe she was like oh there's a ghost and then somebody came here and went oh this ghost it sounds like a poltergeist and she was like ah no idea what that is but hey hey yeah. Well,
3: here, I've just did a quick search of, like, the history of Poltergeist, and there's something from 1911 with an illustration of pots and pans flying around a kitchen and a lady yeah. in despair. So, come on, people have known, known about this for a long time.
2: Yeah, oh, I mean, definitely it would be out there. I'm just questioning, because media didn't travel as, as much then, you know, it was what you read in books, the books. Little bits on television. But
3: everyone knew about Jeff the Mongoose, and that was 1931. Bawley Rectory, 1937. That was a big one in England.
2: Mm, Maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe these took on a life of their own. Yeah. But I I just, I'm not sure about the whole everybody knowing what a poltergeist was type of thing. Especially Mm. like, um, if if that's the case, I'd be more inclined to say that the whole family was in on it. Because I just doubt that this little girl concocted all of this.
3: It would have to be more than one person doing it, though, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, that's a lot of notes. Okay, she could have wrote a lot of notes. Let's just say, yeah, you can go around writing post-it notes a few per hour, which is a lot, actually. But, you know, she got fired from all of her jobs, so she was at home a lot. Oh, yeah, so after she moved out, they were saying that notes were being sent... To a parent's house about her and to her house about a parent's. So that that's basically correspondence by mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just do not know what to make of this case. I really don't. I just feel like, sorry Shirley, but I feel like Shirley was doing it or in on it.
2: That implies that there was two parties involved.
3: You know, yeah, I mean, like you said, could it be a thing that the whole family was in on? Was there like, I mean, I guess if you were famous, like back then, if you were just on TV or in the newspaper, you were famous. It's not like now where you can get a TikTok account and get like two million followers.
2: Yeah. Well, that's it. Did, did, like, they, did they monetize it? Did I know that later Shirley wrote a book and then there was this podcast years and years later, but that's playing the yeah, long game Yeah, it doesn't
3: it. seem like it. It, yeah, it doesn't seem like it at all because she just ended up getting married and, like, you know, doing the the normal thing. She didn't become some kind of, like, movie star or whatever. Like, I mean, I guess when she was a teenager, she probably was into that. Mm. But I I don't know. I just... I mean, they got attention and now she can write books and be on podcasts, like, years and years and years later. I, I, I do not know what to say because every time I think oh, this is all, like, just Shirley. Then I remember the banging that was so loud that it disturbed the street. And I'm like, how, without, like, getting a sledgehammer and hitting the wall or, or a jackhammer or something, I don't know how you make that much noise. Yeah. It just seems crazy. It's bizarre. Hmm. Hmm.
2: Well, thank you very much for sharing this uh, this odd tale with <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to make of it more more than just about anything else it's really stumped me I, if i'm, compl- exactly. I'm completely
3: exactly that's how pissed. it made me feel and i was like i've got to share this because this is a good it's been a while since we did a poltergeist case and i was like this is a it's good been a one
2: while.
3: <laughs> i'm just scared that we're gonna like summon donald <laughs> i do not want that <laughs> i'd rather have jeff the mongoose and the
2: greatest poltergeist <laughs>
3: well i hope you enjoyed this tale chris
2: i did and i'd I'd very much be interested in hearing a a part two Mm -hmm. as well if there's more information that comes out on it if you if you dig up more maybe if you can even speak to shirley
3: i know well i is she on tiktok i don't think so thank you so much chris for sifting through this case with me. I think we definitely need a part two and I have missed the paranormal poltergeisty cases.
2: Yes, it's good. We've had a lot of um, UFOs, aliens, cryptids recently. Yeah, um, it's good to dive it back into into the the paranormal
3: sphere of Exactly. I have missed it and it is my thing, I guess. (laughs) It's just those aliens are just too scrumptious of a story to not do. (laughs) Like when you read a weird alien story, you're like, oh, morsels, I need more.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's something about that mantis that just makes me want to know more and if you want to learn more about the mantis you can join us over on patreon at patreon.com forward slash dystopian simulation radio you can also buy our merchandise at tpublic.com forward slash d s radio and you can always join along in the fun for three over on our instagram where you can find all of the images for today's episode which is at d.s.radio on instagram
3: beautiful couldn't have said it better chris thanks for listening everyone see you
2: next time Bye.